1: From NBI Studios, this is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Rump.
2: Ahoy, friends, and thank you for tuning in to Truth and Justice. You are listening to the Friday follow-up for Season 12, Episode 23, Jessica Henry. As we continue to navigate the spiderweb, it has brought us to the 2007 police interview of Jessica Henry. We heard her describe her odd interactions and observations of Austin Alba. I know I have my thoughts, and you do as well. We're going to dive into all your listener questions with Bob, Janet, and myself right after this break.
1: All right, thanks Zach for that awesome intro. And you're welcome, Bob. <laughs> we've had we've had a rough day. People, Janet can barely keep it together. Uh, this has been the worst day of technical difficulties that we've <laughs> ever had. There's a real bad energy in the room right now. Uh, thank you, everybody that's on YouTube for joining in on the chat. We've got a couple housekeeping issues. One of them's very sad, and it may send Zach into a spiral of despair. Uh, and many of you may come with. Um, as it turns out, sadly, Zach is not going to be able to go to Obsess Fest with me to open up for the uh, the True Crime Comedy Hour. The schedule they just finally came out with the schedule. Zach was trying to work his trip to Columbus in with a soccer tournament for his son in Indianapolis, and they scheduled our time to do the comedy hour right smack dab in the middle of soccer tournament. So sadly zach's not going to be able to make
2: that one. Yep, pretty bummed, but I, I still think we uh we're going to keep going with this and have a good future with it.
1: Yeah, hope so. So hopefully if I don't completely eat shit at Obsess Fest, uh and it goes well, then, you know, maybe we'll go do more of these live shows where zach will in fact be able to join me.
3: Well, Bob, how can we help as fans and friends if we want to make sure that your set goes great at Obsess Fest even if we can't be there? Hello? There's got to be a way For us to support you as you prepare your set for Obsessed Fest. I bet.
2: I can't believe people think we have a serious podcast.
3: Like if I were in the Indiana area, I forget what part of Indiana.
2: As a matter
1: of fact, Janet, there is a way. Uh, So speaking of eating shit, I ate shit completely at the the Drop Comedy Club last night. It was a very tiny room with not many people in it. Uh, But Zach and I are still trying to work out some bits. So if anybody is in the South Bend, Indiana area on Tuesday nights for the next, what is it, four Tuesdays still left before Obsessed Fest? I believe so. At 8 p.m., they have an open mic night where Zach and I are going to practice. And I would love it if we had an audience in there instead of just the 20 comics that are in there when we're trying to, to, to practice our bits. So if you're around South Bend, Indiana, Tuesday nights, 8 p.m., uh, it's a free show. It's right downtown. Look up the Drop Comedy Club. If you come down there, you'll be able to hang out with me and Zach, have a couple drinks, watch some free comedy, hopefully laugh at everybody. Uh, but, yeah, we'd love to see some people there because it's uh, when I went last night, there was nobody there. It was a little awkward, awkward doing that room. Um and so that's that. Uh, Obsess Fest. The schedule is out for those of you that have gone. If you haven't bought tickets yet, go get your tickets to Obsess Fest. There's t- it's going to be so fun. I'm actually really, really, really looking forward to uh, this whole conference. Everything in it, like there's some serious stuff. I'm doing a panel on the West Memphis Three with Jillian Pensavalli and Damian Eccles. Which is going to be an awesome panel. Awesome. There's like a true crime mega panel at some point that's going to be me and Payne Lindsay and <laughs> Justin and Aaron. I don't remember who else, but that's another big panel. That Do the, you
2: battle for like true crime supremacy?
1: I don't know what the deal. Oh, I don't. Okay. All I, I, I. They haven't talked to me about it. I just saw it on the schedule that it's a mega panel. Mega panel that we're doing. Uh, but then there's also there's like karaoke contest. We're doing the comedy hour. Uh, there's a drag brunch on Sunday, there's all kinds of, it's going to be a really, really fun weekend in Columbus, Ohio, and they do still have tickets available, so if you want to go check those out, hopefully to see a lot of you there, was hoping to see Zach there, like I said, sadly didn't work out, but we'll do it another time, um, and Jan, did we have, I felt like we had something else for housekeeping too that we needed to do, or was that it?
3: I think that was it, great. Well, as we all know, episode 23 was the interview with Jessica Henry. And before we get into it any further, there are so many people who are very, very interested to know, including myself and I'm sure, Zach. When was this interview? When did this happen, particularly with uh, inside the chronology of, for example, when Alex was interviewed?
1: Oh, it was I have it here on my computer. It was in um, around the same time as Alex.
3: Okay. Before
1: Alex. It was March 20th, 2007. And okay. Alex was May of two, so it was two months before Alex was interviewed, which okay. is weird because it seemed to me that they got to Jessica because of Alex. But I, but, but I'm, no. I'm, I'm guessing, I'm guessing they must have just kind of kept that bit from him that they already knew this information.
3: Yeah, exactly. They had to yeah. have because they got the because they she told her manager Crystal, who was married to a cop, right, and that's how right. Leclaire came to be there at her work.
1: Yeah, exactly right.
3: Okay. Yeah, because it is interesting that there's, it feels like they sort of loop each other in terms of like, wait, did they not know about the Jessica story? But they must have known. They had to have known because it was LeClaire. Okay, great. That is very good to know. Zach, what did you think about this interview?
2: You know, I'm not 100% sure what I thought. There's a lot there, to be honest. I, I think there's some really interesting things she said to pick up on more, you know, behaviors of individuals but there is still a lot throughout this interview that is kind of hearsay you, I don't know whether it's he said she said I don't know who sees it firsthand you know we, we've heard a few things we hear the the items in Austin's trunk now mm-hmm. now is this the same potentially the same story that we've heard from Nick about Javier's trunk or are there two is this a you know a matching set of trunks that have things in them I don't I don't really know but I think the biggest thing that, to pick up was the fact that she does kind of talk about some of Austin's behaviors and some of Javier's behaviors, which I found really interesting. Yeah, to me, the the
1: value in the interview was a few things was, you know, I'm I'm always interested to hear more about Becky's victimology, Becky and Javier's relationship, Becky's relationship with the other people around like Javier's friends. Um, so I'm always interested to hear more. Not that any not that we can just take what Jessica says is, oh, well, that's Becky. But it 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 comes in we're information gathering i think in the in the episode you guys are getting here sunday i, I really looked at cuz it was like it's, it's another it's another interview and i was wrestling with i'm tired of doing interview episodes as much as you guys are tired of hearing
2: mm-hmm. interview
1: episodes i want to get in and start putting this together and I, I actually started this week to to build out an episode where we're starting to compare and contrast all this information but it's like there's still holes because there's still people that have still shared more information so I'm looking at this all as is. This phase is just information gathering. We're just getting everybody's input so that we can then later put that together. Um, but but Jessica is a piece of that. So it was like the relate. You know, hearing more about what she thought of Becky, what her perception of other people, what they think of Becky, her perception of the relationship with Javier. Javier's behavior afterwards, I found interesting. Where she said that you know he was so drugged out that they couldn't have a conversation with him afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and also there was a lot because a few people were like, well, we could have cut off a, the. There was a lot of the interview that was super duper repetitive, but I want I, it's 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 interesting to me. If I'm listening to something and I find it interesting and worthwhile, I'm going to leave it in. And listening to how Detective LeClaire, how he operates and, and yes. how he's thinking is like, to me, I'm that's I'm so important. glad you brought that up. Like, that's my saying, favorite part like, of this interview. Him like, like well, you know, can you get Why isn't Nick come forward? Why, it's like, why don't you go fucking talk to Nick? Why are you, yeah. why is it her responsibility? Why is it his responsibility to come forward? His dismissive attitude about, oh, well, I'm not impressed with those guys. You know, just seem like a bunch of stoners to me. I he said
3: that. I could not believe he said, those guys just say, all I've seen from them is they're either a bunch of stoners or alcoholics. They don't impress me much. I was like, wow, yeah. you yeah. just said that to their peer. This is nuts.
1: Yeah. The whole thing. And, and, and again, we hear is Javier Gay. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's really right. hung yeah. up on whether Javier. He, he has been hounding that a lot. Yeah. and In every interview, you hear it. Yeah, it's strange. And he's... I don't know why. I don't know why, unless he's, unless he's thinking that, oh, if he's gay, then he wouldn't have had an attraction to Becky. But every single person he's talked to has said, Javier loved Becky. He was obsessed with Becky. Javier wanted, this is not this is true, but this is what people are saying, that Javier wanted there to be more of a relationship there with Becky. And he's acting like, everything I'm hearing about Javier says he's gay. I'm like, there's nothing you're hearing about Javier that says he's gay. Mm-hmm. There's nothing right,
2: right. at all. Yeah, we've heard multiple people now talk about, you know, at the beginning we kind of thought that Javier was that friend zone guy that, I mean, obviously he has been friend zone, but he thought that he was like just the ultimate close friend. But clearly we've had multiple people now talk about how obsessed he was with her and how much she actually, you know, not to talk bad of Becky, but how much she would actually lead him on and and kind yeah. of seem to give him hope of a relationship only to smash it every day.
1: Yeah, from some of the, yeah, definitely from those were, that was the perspective of some of the people Especially as we kind of go a couple ripples out from the people directly. Oh, now we're involved. rippling.
2: It's a spider web. It's a ripple.
1: If you go to the next line of web in the, in the in the spider web, you know how there's like a middle, yeah. and then they go around and then around. Mm-hmm. It looks like ripples. Yeah, okay. the mm-hmm. next one. All right. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, I God also thought it web. was. I also thought just his treatment of her was so noticeably different. I mean, he was mm-hmm. very, very warm. Um, And at first I thought, well, it's because she came forward and that's such a good thing to do. But then I thought, I don't know, like Jacob made sure he came in right away and Javi made sure he came in right away. So So I started to feel like so did Robert. So I started to really feel like, oh, this is how he behaves towards someone that he is absolutely sure has nothing to do with this because he was so nice to her or she's a girl. I don't know, but it just it felt like a very different tonally version of Leclerc, but then there were all these things he seeded inside of that conversation that once again just kind of blew me away. Like this idea that Jessica was saying that Austin would yell and scream at Becky and tell her she was stupid. And then his follow up question is, I know, but like anything ab- outside of like normal.
2: <laughs>
3: right. Just like, why is that? How is that normal? Like, if yeah. it's true, he may not believe it and he may just be brushing it off for that reason. But if that's true, the last thing I would say after that is, well, that just sounds like a normal roommate screaming at his roommate's girlfriend. Like, that's yeah, it's, it's true. Crazy. That's not normal at all.
1: And it's it seems to me that that he has honestly, I think Leclaire thinks Javier did this. Like when you listen to the tone of all the interviews, everything's back to Javier, his most in his most uh, uh, pressing questions are usually about Javier and he, and, it, and it's like, he's got this track in his mind and, and that's why I don't think we have much investigation into Austin. We don't have much investigation into Jacob. We don't have, because it's like, okay, well Javier for like, the, and, and this is just my perception of it, but it's like, he goes in this interview, like, oh yeah. So Javier for sure did this. And I'm going to find out more information about Javier doing it from Jessica and then she's like, well, Austin was horrible. He swung knives around and he hated Becky and he was screaming and yelling. He's like, hey, yeah, 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 but but is Javier gay is what I need to know. Yeah, Like that That was like my that's just the feeling that I get about him that he's got blinders on. And I don't necessarily think blinders are ever pointed in the right direction. But he, that's where his focus seems to be at this point.
3: Yeah. And uh, Teresa and, and I know some of you are saying in the chat that he seemed dismissive to her. I agree. I feel like he was both warm and dismissive. I feel and, and I guess you yeah. could translate to condescending. Right. That there's a sense of like, well, if you know anything that's real, you can call me. If you don't yeah. know and all you're thinking, all you're doing is saying rumors, you can't call me, which, again, I, I, there are moments in the conversation where I do think he's making the right decision to say, "I, where do I go with this? You understand that what you're telling me is speculation or you understand how difficult it is for me to be told a story third hand mm-hmm. and actually take action on it. But I was also really surprised that he's yeah, that he was sort of to your point, Bob, that he was like, well, if I want to talk to these guys, what am I going to do? How do I tell them that you weren't the person who came forward? And yeah. you would think that a cop at that point would say, I'm sorry, this is a triple homicide. I am so appreciate you came forward. The toothpaste is out of the tube. I need to follow up on this stuff. And you're mm-hmm. going to have to navigate that with your friends after the fact.
1: Yeah. And and, and like another little thing that I caught in there. So good. there's this whole thing about did Nick. So, so Nick says he interviewed he talked to the police at Circuit City, and then he went to the station and gave a statement. But those that that statement is not in there. There's no report on it. There's nothing in the in the police report. To me, the feeling is that's something that is left has been left out or pulled out of the of the case file because it's weirdly alluded to. But we heard we heard him say in this interview when she's talking about Nick Crum when he says, "So if I talk to Nick again." What we you know you know if, if I said this to Nick if I talk to him again, right? So he clearly like he he acknowledges that he has spoken to Nick,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, before, and I think it was Bompensero. I have to go back and look. This is the one that went to Circuit City? Like again, it's 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 confirming what Nick is saying, and I don't think Nick would forget going to the police station and giving an interview.
3: I agree with everything you're saying. The only reason I would have any hesitation about that is purely because Leclerc just seems to have a really hard time keeping track of who's who and what he's talking about sometimes. Like, he cannot... The crystal thing is, like, if, if a long period of time of them just trying to figure out which crystal anyone is talking about, and then he still tries right. to make both crystals one crystal. And also, like, the whole sort of misunderstanding of... it's To me, it's very clear. Jessica says, I saw his pic- a picture of him with a sniper rifle, sni- sniper rifle, a sniper huh. rifle, on his MySpace, and then LeClaire's like, but you didn't see the picture. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Did you There's see the rifle? There's definitely a lot of that. No, I saw... Yeah. I didn't see the rifle. Okay, so you didn't even see it. Well, I saw the picture of it. Well, what picture? Oh, the picture on the MySpace, the very first thing you said. So you're just clarifying back to the very first thing you said that got misinterpreted. Yeah. So my concern is only, could he be thinking he talked to Nick Crum when he spe- actually was talking to Nick Corline? That's the only... Just because there are two Nicks, again, I think you're right about everything you're saying. The only reason I pulled back on it was... He seems to be very easily confused about who, what, where, when.
1: Definitely at least in the moment he seems to be um yeah, and it's possible, but there's there's also other reports. There's a report from I think the report from the 2015 interview with Nick one of the re- reports in there says that Nick was interviewed in 2006 and to, Nick Crum was interviewed in 2006 and 2007, but it's written really weird. It says to the best of my knowledge, Nick Crum was interviewed by police and gave statements in 2006 and 2007. It's hmm. written really weirdly. Hmm. It's like, so like, I know it happened. It almost is like, I know it happened, but it's not in the case file. Right.
3: There are just a couple more things that I had, and I promise I wasn't going to bring them up because I assumed that they would be in listener questions. I didn't see this in listener any of the listener questions, um, even in posts that I scrolled down to. On Facebook. So I apologize, anyone, if I missed you and I'm acting like this is my idea. But I just wanted to quickly touch on a couple things. I thought it was very interesting that Jessica said that Javi said he had seen and heard things that we wouldn't understand that he didn't want to talk about. And LeClaire did not ask any questions about that at all. Um, I thought it was interesting that he never brought up Robert and Christian, even though they all went to Cathedral City High School. So Mm -hmm. I just thought it was interesting, like, oh. He, a lot of the time, he will kind of bring up Robert and Christian as a sort of general, like, and did you also know Robert and Christian by chance? Right. But he doesn't ask anything about them. Don't know what that means. Thought that was interesting. Um, before you say I, your
1: next point, just let me, yeah. I, let me interject right there. Is, sure. Is that that's part of why I think in his mind at that point, Javier was the suspect. Because, you know, yeah. they interviewed Robert and Christian. They went through it and it seemed like everything at that point checked out with them. It's not until October of 07 that all of a sudden – Focus shifts back that way, which we're going to be getting into. But yeah, at this point, yeah. and again, this is why we're doing all these interviews, because this is where the focus was. He didn't even ask her about those two. Sorry, go yeah. ahead.
3: No, no, please always interrupt me. I talk too much. Um, uh, I thought it was interesting that she said that Austin did not want her at the apartment when he wasn't there and actively changed shifts to make sure he would be again. If it's true that he actively changed shifts to make sure he would be there anytime he knew she was going to be at the apartment. I don't think that's unreasonable. But it is interesting in terms of the different Mm -hmm. things that we're hearing about different characters in the story. I say that figuratively. Um, And then uh, I thought it was interesting that Leclerc kind of circled back to the idea of like, how about girls who hated her? Do you know any girls who might have done this? And the only reason I thought that is because of Jim Clemente, going back to him saying, here's here's a possibility about why a wheelbarrow could be involved. Or, you know, he he postulated Mm -hmm. like maybe there could be um, a woman involved. So I thought it was interesting, again. His approach, like, what is LeClaire thinking? And that's why I love these interviews, because I love hearing what how the cops decide to ask what they ask and what it prompts them to ask next and what it doesn't seem to prompt them to ask next. And also the idea of I don't know, is this the first time we've heard that Jacob, if it's true, did not like Austin? Is it the first time we've heard that Jacob was like, ooh, he didn't like living with Austin like that was we knew it was kind of a random let's live together situation. But I don't know if we've ever heard like someone's opinion that Jacob actively didn't like his roommate. Again, if it's even true,
1: I don't. Do you remember? I, I mean, you kind of get that impression from Jacob, just that they they're not
2: close. I don't know yeah. that I've ever heard it though.
1: Yeah, I don't think you've said that. Like even Austin was like, I don't know, I don't know when he comes or mm-hmm. goes. I don't know, you know, anything like that. And then yeah, and Jacob's like, oh yeah, I just gave him a place to stay. You know, is my my pizza's getting cold? It's just yeah, but I don't remember anything that was like I don't like him.
2: Right. the The one line of questioning that Leclerc goes through is. Is when she's talking about Nick Crumb saying like Nick knows that that Austin did it, and he's got people that are going to take care of it. And, and the yeah, and the detective just kind of is like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, he knows people, and then oh, okay, and like it just kind of goes away. And that's where the like, it, it was like that that
1: whole line of that where she's like, he's just like you know somebody needs to, the cops aren't doing anything, so you know somebody needs to take care of him because he knows he did it. And then he's just like, well, that's – I mean, that's kind of stupid. Like, why mm-hmm. wouldn't you – like, why Why wouldn't you t- – like, maybe I need to go talk to Nick right now if that's something that's that's happening. But he's just like, yeah, but that doesn't make any sense because, like, why would he, like, be mad? If he hasn't talked to the police, why would he be mad about the police not doing anything if he's not coming forward? That's – it just – his whole train of thought there is, like, I don't know. I think maybe – Maybe like make an effort and go talk to Nick then mm-hmm. and right. figure this out. Either because he has important information or because she just told you that Nick may be thinking about going and murdering someone. Yeah, exactly. Might be a good reason to go yeah. follow up on all
2: uh, on all that stuff. And, you yeah, know, it was his, like and who and who does he know? Well, he knows people from yeah. prison. Oh. You know, it's <laughs> like <laughs> his yeah.
3: yeah, his red flags seem a little selective, um, without us knowing exactly the reasons why. Uh, in, the, in the listener questions, was whether the cops ever spoke to Ashley Shepard. Um, again, that's something that you might consider because some people believe that a person that you're intimate with after a crime may hear something uh, in a moment mm-hmm. of vulnerability that you might not hear uh, otherwise. So I wasn't sure. Yeah, I haven't seen an, an
1: interview with her. And I've done most of like when I was listening to this interview particularly because we got a bunch of new names Like, I was going through the case file and, like, keyword searching for a lot of these names, and a lot of these people were never interviewed, or at least not that that's coming up in a search in the file. Yeah.
3: Um, Okay. I should have brought this up when we were talking originally about the interview itself, but it's true that Laura H. and several others did have a lot of trouble hearing this one and did Mm -hmm. ask about the possibility of a transcript so that they could participate more fully.
1: It's already up. I put it up on Tuesday. Awesome. So, it's up.
3: It's up. Go check it out, everybody. Megan L. uh, had some comments about Jessica, like sort of knowing what she knows versus, again, talking about hearsay or talking about rumors or what she heard. Um, But that in general, Megan felt like she she almost seemed to know more or have more to contribute than any of the other folks who kind of maybe seemed like they were more siloed was was Megan's word. This idea that they they didn't really talk about the fact that things were being discussed as much. I don't know if you had any thoughts on that
1: it just, I think it's just different personality where she was really wanting to, I think what you, what you get, what I get out of Jessica is that she had some information she thought was very pertinent. And then, and I think you see this sometimes, especially with, with younger people. And you, you kind of see it with Nick too, even in his interview, uh, you know, the one where they weren't really paying attention or listening to him, where it's like, I've got something that I think can help and I'm going to share that. And then I also go like here's a million other, like they're just trying, I don't know what, they're trying really hard to help so they just keep like, well, I also heard this and I heard right. this. And they're kind of feeding off the the investigator that's like, well, I want to know more. Well, I don't know. Well, I Here's something. It's also all false confessions happen. It's it's not a, it's not an a entirely different psychology that when you keep drawing saying, I want more, I want more, I want more, a lot of personalities are like, well, then I'm going to give you more and more
2: and more.
3: Such a great point, Bob. I'm so glad and you brought that up.
2: I feel like she truly believes everything she says. Like, the, yeah. the the understanding that I got from her is that, like, everything she's saying, even the hearsay stuff, she bo- takes as fact and believes. As yeah, fact. I don't think she's lying about anything. Well, I'm not lying. I'm not saying that she's lying. I think that regardless of where it came from, she believes oh, everything yeah, that, she's hearing. Yeah, I'm just – that's why I'm just meant confirm what you're saying. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's
1: her That's her truth, mm-hmm. what she's telling. doesn't yeah. necessarily mean it's accurate, but she believes that to be true, yeah, I think.
3: Kind of in line with the idea of of LeClaire never bringing up Robert and Christian, Sue G. says, um, do you attach any significance to the fact that that, uh, Jessica never mentioned Bo Nash as being kind of a part of that group or being there or anything like that?
1: No, because I don't think – you'll hear this weekend – I don't think Bo was much – by 2007 wasn't really part of that group much anymore.
3: Okay. Um, Jennifer CP, uh, says, do you, do we know if the police followed up with some of the names that we just were talking about, like crystal? Um, Jennifer says, I think she was saying they were the ones that Austin locked in a closet or bathroom and wouldn't let them leave because he thought they would call the cops.
1: Yeah. Like I said, I haven't fr- from at least from the index I have, I don't see those names. And from keyword searching the case file, I haven't seen those names come up. Okay. So doesn't mean this, does, I can't say with a, certainty they're not in there and I'll still be looking. um, But I haven't seen any indication that they were they made an effort to interview them at all or that they interviewed them.
3: Got it. Well, let's get into I'll use Jason W's uh, comment to kind of get into this, because I think a lot of people had thoughts on this, which is this idea of uh, Jessica saying that when she's talking to Austin, Austin says, you know, oh, the killers were interrupted by the neighbors and had to get out of there. Um, and that's why, you know, Becky was burned in a wheelbarrow. And Jason says this this could potentially really show some guilty knowledge of the crime. Um, she says the source was Austin. Whether it was or not, how was that not explored? Was that something that was floating around as a theory that everyone kind of knew about?
1: I don't know. I don't think so. I, it definitely jumped out at me because if I believe that the theory that we heard from, like, Javier and then other people, like, shortly after that were saying what they heard, you know, they, when they were like, oh, what happened was, um, and, and it was that Becky escaped what was happening, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't, isn't that what we always heard? Right. What yeah. Was that yes. like,
3: mm-hmm.
0: that
1: there was, you know, like, no, Becky, like, like Jacob, no, Becky was already there and they killed the, the parents and then she escaped and they got her and brought her back. Um, I think this is the first time we've heard No, Becky or or a neighbor interrupted them. And that's why they had to leave things were at, which, again, was kind of you know, even with Jim and I having kind of leaning different directions for who the target was and what happened first. We both agree there seemed to be some kind of interruption.
2: Now, you know, I mean, very possibly could be a leak. I mean, I could see that being a leak. But also at this time, you have to realize, too, we're six, seven months post murder. Right. So Mm -hmm. there's probably a lot of information out as well. Great point. By any means, I'm not defending what he said. It could very well be that he's leaking some guilty knowledge, but also I can't think that we can just take what she says because of the time frame that's elapsed.
1: Well, also it's it's hearsay, so you know the game of telephone. But it it, it is super interesting because it's that requires some kind of higher level thinking for someone who, you know, I mean like. Most people like a general layperson wouldn't look at the crime scene and be like, "Oh, clearly somebody came and interrupted what they were doing." You know, that's something that, you know, that either someone that was there would know that that's the reason that, you know, the wheelbarrow is where it is and this is why it happened, or someone that I think would have a pretty, you know, pretty sophisticated knowledge of like crime scene reconstruction and the profiling. I mean, like Jim who's like able to walk through and see how you break all this down. They were clearly interrupted. You know, I mean, it just it's a weird thing for a bunch of to me for a bunch of teenagers things like, oh, yeah, well, this happened, this happened. And she was left there because a neighbor interrupted them when we know it was a neighbor, Tim Summerlee, who drove up to the crime scene within minutes of the fires being lit. Right. It just
3: depends on how much, for example, Javi talked to his dad and then told everybody else, you know, as theories were rolling out internally, like you said, uh, Zach, maybe it's a leak. It's just hard to know where that information came from. But I thought it was interesting that Leclerc did press her when when Austin said he was, you know, had theories of what happened, did feel like, am I wrong or didn't it feel like Leclerc perked up and said, well, what did he say happened? And as yeah. soon as she said he had multiple theories, he was like, oh, but he really perked up. So it seems yeah. like he's he's still got, you know, he's still really feeling out who could have done this. And is hoping for that moment where someone says, "Well, he said it must have been blah blah blah," and that there is some knowledge, guilty knowledge, that leaks there that he can do yeah. something with, right?
1: Yeah, I, I think his focus is Javier. I think he has a well. You remember the purpose of this interview, the reason Jessica reaches out to him. The main reason is because she wants to tell him about Austin. So you know he knows he's you know, and then he hears all this stuff. Austin hates her and all this stuff. So yeah, he he definitely was injured, but it, it just you just. I wish there was more follow up questions and more attention paid here. But more so, I wish it's like, okay, I need to go talk to Austin now. And that's what didn't happen. That's what's mind numbing. It's like, okay, I heard all this stuff. It's not to say like I'm not trying to put handcuffs on Austin, but you you go talk to him. You go follow up with him. Clear him if that's clear
3: him right then. If that's you know,
1: If that's go ask those questions. That's but but it was like, and that's why I think yeah, he perked up when he was. Open to hearing about Austin because that was the purpose of the entire interview. But when it comes back, when it it all comes down to it, his real focus, I think, at this point is still Javier.
3: So let's talk about Nick for a second. Uh, Mandy says it sounds like Nick talked a lot about Austin, but then a few years later, he couldn't remember Austin at all. And, of course, this is coming from the conversation with Jessica. So Mm -hmm. it's from her perspective. Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Well, it wasn't a few years later. It was like nine years later. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know. I mean, it was you. You, you kind of the cool thing about hearing that one bonus episode interview with Nick that we played was you literally got to hear the light bulb moment, right? When he was like it was his roommate, he's like, I don't remember the roommate. I this and the, you know can't quite remember. Then he's like, Oh, there was an incident at the mall where he where where the roommate said, and he was like, Oh, yes, I do remember that happening, and that was it. Kind of clicked and came back. Couple things you got to remember: one, a long period of time passed; two, from what Nick told you, he was into a lot of drugs at this time when this stuff was happening; and three, when he gave that interview where he couldn't remember Nick, he had just he had gotten injured in in war and had just had surgeries and had all kinds of like painkillers and stuff going on, or he had a brain injury at the at that at that time. So there was that he was recovering from. There's a lot of reasons why. Nine years later he didn't remember these details about Austin you know I, I don't I just don't think it's anything We're I, I don't think that we can a hundred percent say well we can take every word that anyone says as gospel and as truth there's there's definitely conflicts with Nick with the things he said the stuff from Jessica' is interesting because I haven't heard anybody else say anything about Nick really much at all in these interviews mm-hmm. and, and especially yeah. not like you know, we need to get some guys together and and go kill Austin. Like I I was super shocked by that. Yeah. Just because I haven't heard that from anyone anyone else. Yeah. Doesn't mean it didn't happen, Nick. I mean I have I've um contact with Nick. I can I can ask him about it. Um, but he's never mentioned anything like that to me before. But it could just be it was more hearsay. Could be just kind of conflated a little bit. Could be maybe even
3: slightly kidding if you're high or drunk, and you're yeah. just like, ah, ah, you know, you're sort of shooting your mouth off. Like I know some guys. We could yeah. take care of this right now. Kind of I, like I, dark I, sense I think of, of humor stuff.
1: I can think of two people right now that I've that that if they got if they got real just real drunk, they could. Right. In a spot where they'd be like, "Yeah, fuck that guy. We need to get you know," and, and yeah. then not remember any of it the next day. And are
3: you one of the guys that you're thinking about? I'm totally. It's kidding. me. I'm both of the guys.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh no. Um, and then Alice, uh, you know, she, she's just kind of speculating on this idea of, as we've many people have remarked upon and remarked upon, um, very sagely in the chat that's happening in YouTube right now about uh, Leclaire seeming to really kind of be offended. By uh, the the conversation about well, Nick said you guys aren't doing your job. That you already talked to Austin. Um, that whole kind of line of conversation, and Alice even is wondering like, was he just mad at Nick? So he didn't follow up right away because he was sort he of was definitely like you think you've off by you're doing it. our job. Screw you. Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't know. I don't. I've I've found his reaction to be really. It, it's like being a podcaster and getting negative comments. Like you just got to get used to it, you know, it was, and, it, and How dare you, <laughs> but, it, but that was, it was like, really? Is that the first piece of negative feedback you've ever gotten? It was from a teenager and you're all bent out of shape about it. It was just, I don't know. I found it weird.
3: Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the, the trunks, uh, the gas cans, all that stuff. Zach, you made a really, really good point. Early on, uh, where that was, could they be one in the same? Could Nick mm-hmm. have sort of absorbed Jessica's memory? Could it be that they both have them? Someone on Facebook suggested perhaps they were in one car and got moved to another car. So people are definitely um, they've got their thinking caps on uh, thinking about kind of what this all could mean and where it could all end up being in terms of like what is definitively true, which we'll never know. But um, what do you think about all that, you guys? I know Zach you started I... talking about it a little
2: Maybe I'm overthinking it, but I just can't imagine. You know, the the items were very specific. It was a shovel. It was black bags. It was a it was a gas can. Mm-hmm. That they, they were very specific. So I have a hard time believing that this is two separate interactions. It feels like it's one and the same. Had it been different items, you know, maybe there was just a gas can because, like we kind of talked about, some people have gas cans. But the fact that the items relayed are exactly the same, that I ha- I I tend to believe that it was probably the same incident Mm -hmm. and one of them is relaying it differently than the other now i may be just making that up maybe this very well happened that there are these two very unique situations but seems strange to me
1: i don't know you're not
3: alone i mean richard yeah rich sorry i was just gonna say richard p felt the exact same way and marianne s and angela everybody um in facebook was trying to kind of do the same thing like figure out could it be one of the same are they different you know sorry bob go ahead
1: I, I was going to say that it, it's kind of like it was it was kind of melting my brain a little bit. And then I finally got to a point where I'm like, it doesn't really matter. Like we're, we can't it's not actionable information, you know, unless somebody's like going to trial. and It's one more piece to put on it. You know, to, to one more piece of evidence to throw at it as far as circumstantial. But it's like, I don't know. There, Yeah, there's scenarios where if Austin and Javier were involved in the crime together, they could have both packed the same type of materials to go and plan it or Javier wrecked his car so then he transferred the stuff into Austin's car and then there was two different incidents or it could be that you know the that Nick was doing a lot of drugs at the time and heard the story and somehow it 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 turned into his own memory you know we know that that's a thing that happens that people's memories um are far more malleable than they than than we really understand um or and it could just be that it, apparently based on like social media after my last episode when I pointed out that you know, it's, it's like illegal to have gas can in your car, which it's, I should point out, I was driving commercial vehicles and we had rolls. You're driving fire trucks, and so maybe that's not the case of personal vehicles. Sounds scary to me. But I've had a, what, one million people be like, dude, I carry a gas can in my trunk I, all I think the time. a lot of people do. Like
2: everybody does. So and, I'm like, it's much more common than I ever thought it was. And to your point about Nick, even his story, I mean, we've heard the story twice now but it's changed. Javier was once, you know, the first time Javier was next to him, the second time Javier was up right. on the stairs calling. So maybe you're right about Nick maybe thinking that memory happened to him.
1: Yeah. So I think I think there's um, a lot I of d- possibilities and at the end of the day I don't know what we can do with any of it.
3: Right. Lucky Land Casino
0: asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
3: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office.
0: Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today, and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts.
3: Oh, oh, oh! O'Reilly Auto Parts. Well, uh, Bob in the chat asked, "Zach, would you think if if one or the other had to be the right one?" Um, which one are we picking? I would imagine that you would think it would be... Well, I mean, she says that, like, four other people were with her at, at a grocery store. So that seemed real specific, and it, that invites following up to see if that was real. I, I guess that probably never mm-hmm. happened, but um, that's 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 a big deal, I think, to involve several other people in that memory right. uh, rather than it just being you yourself. Um, and actually, uh, I just want to throw in there, Danny in the chat mentioned, um, you know, could somebody be... could Could, rather than bonfires or other innocuous reasons, could shovels and bags be connected to maybe an illegal grow site? Um, Maybe the gas can you have is because it's far away and remote and you do keep gas there because the last thing you want is to run out of gas when you have like weed plants in your car and Mm -hmm. a cop drives your way or whatever. So that was another. I don't think we actually touched on that, but um, I just saw that crop up and wanted to acknowledge that in the chat.
1: Yeah, it it could be for and a lot of people have said these are could be bonfire materials. Like I said, there's, it's it's just one of those things that it was, it's super titillating the first time we heard about it. And then like the more and more I hear about it, it's like, man, there's so many different possibilities that, that, you know, this is not anything that can be used against mm. someone to yeah. prove anything. And now we've got three different versions of where it was at. Could be they're both completely accurate. And for completely innocuous reasons, it's just, it's, I for me, I've just mentally have decided. Okay, I'm just going to put a pin in that and move past it because it's it's just a you know a lot to do about nothing. Yeah, and I use the word titillating.
3: Uh-huh, you certainly. You're did. welcome. Uh, thank you. Um, Megan, well Sue, <laughs> well done. Uh, <laughs> Megan and Sue and some other folks just um still kind of circling around the idea of Javi and and um you know. People's speculation about p- police being corrupt or or favoring or feeling pressured to favor Javi in some way um Sue had asked was Javi's mother ever interviewed I'm pretty sure we know none of the parents were interviewed right I just want to clarify
1: that No I don't think I don't think any of them were officially interviewed uh, Well and that's not true I think later later on in the investigation I'm pretty sure Kathleen Roberts mom was interviewed I'm almost positive about that Um, I don't think Jana Christian's mom was interviewed. I could be, we'll, we'll get into all of that stuff when we get into it. But I, but I feel like I remember when I met her telling me like, I know where he was at and they never talked to me, but that could be, could be my malleable memory. So we'll figure it out when we get there. But as far as this group, no, I don't think, well, yeah, Jacob's mom was interviewed later. (laughs) But we'll talk about that later. That's interesting. Much later. Yeah.
3: That's uh, That seems super interesting to me just because she doesn't seem like she was in the picture in any kind of, like, physical, like, he didn't live with her. Anyway. It was, I'm
1: like, 2015 when they're looking for Jacob again to try to do a oh, follow-up.
3: Okay. Okay.
1: So there was this whole thing where they get, like, so remember, the, the case is, like, pretty active. It, it's, like, it just get, kind of give you guys kind of a timeline of things, basics, right? So – starts off, they're collecting information, seems like, oh, they're pretty interested in Robert and Javi's group. And then when you get into, like, 2007, it seems like the focus of the investigation is directed at Javier and Austin and that group. And then by the fall, which I think is maybe when they got some forensic work back and everything, then it was like like the, the – I think the when they, they were able to tie the business card, at least in a poss- – possibly tie that to Christian, it shifts back to Robert and Christian. And then – by two thousand nine, there's the the report I've I've mentioned a couple times, like the summary report from two thousand nine, where it's like the, the main suspect, the main persons of interest are Robert and Christian for these reasons, and then it lists you know other persons of interest, and it's like Javier is he's got this this and this that looks bad, but his cell phone records clear, and then there's like Jacob, where it's like this looks bad, this looks bad, this looks bad, this looks real bad. Next person. Like they never say that he's cleared or why he's cleared or anything like that, um, but but it seems like that was like around 2009. The case kind of just went cold, mm-hmm. and then in 2014, Robert and Christian are arrested, and they go to a grand jury, and they're ready to go to trial. Right before they go to trial, they um, they get uh, they drop the charges. The DA decided, or the GA or the judge, whoever said there wasn't enough evidence. There's a lot of political shit going on there. We'll talk about when we get to that stuff. But they drop the charges, they release them, they're done. And then 2015, so it's like between the after the after they've been, ar- it's like we thought we closed the case. Now we've dropped the charges. That's when we get the the circle back. That's why we have all these interviews in 2015 where uh, you hear Nick Crumb's interview. Like I mentioned, they circle back to uh, they do circle back to Austin Alba, like I said, um, and and Jacob and Jacob's mom, and it's like they're kind of really looking you know it's like it's like maybe they're considering it wasn't robert and christian so let's look at different angles 2016 they rearrest uh robert and christian a, a second time and that's and, and, the, and the best way to hear that tone change is listen to the bonus episodes i put out nick's 2015 interview where they're very like okay well yeah tell me about austin and this and these other people and i really want to get to the bottom of all this stuff and then in 2016 they had already arrested and were taking Robert and Christian to trial, and he's like, "So Austin," and they're like, "I don't give a shit about Austin. Why are you talking?" You know, you could you could just tell the complete tone difference because at that point they were. And we, we Janet, you and I talked about this in text, but we don't think we talked about it on the show. Like the the tone of that interview, like like you could you could basically what had happened there was Nick had talked to a defense investigator, who was obviously very interested in everything that he had to say. So then he goes and talks to. Uh, the police and he's full of confidence because he had just shared all this information. And this investigator was very interested. And so it's just a terrible combination because he's full of confidence about, I have important information. So I'm going to share it with these police. Surely they'll want to hear it all. And then the, what he doesn't know is a cops are like, no, 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 we already are taking someone else to trial. We don't want to hear any of this stuff right now. And that's why that interview felt so awkward. I think is because, You've got an overconfident informant and a cop that doesn't want to hear a word he's got to say because it's all it can do is mess his case up.
3: Yeah, I'm. You know what? I guess did that did that drop before we recorded our fo- or after we f- recorded the follow up? Were we only yes. talking about two?
1: <gasps> yeah. Because <gasps> okay. We recorded Wednesday and then that 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 second bonus dropped after we recorded.
3: Yeah, because I feel like we would have talked about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't see any questions about it, but that's probably because a lot of chat was happening about it on on the Facebook page. Right. Um, So I'm glad you realized that and just brought it up because I was never even going to acknowledge that other interview because I thought we covered it already.
1: Right. That's why I brought it up because I realized it.
3: Uh (laughs) I didn't accidentally stumble into
1: (laughs) forgetting that we haven't talked about that one yet.
3: Oh my goodness. Okay. Um. All right. Uh, Regarding more interviews, um, Caroline is wondering. I'm sure the answer is yes, but there have there been attempts your attempts to contact Javi or Jacob?
1: Uh, not, you know, I did. I'm trying to think back. It was last year. I think I did make, make an attempt for Jacob. I I definitely did for Javier and Javier's dad. And I know for a fact I had the right phone number for Javier's dad when I left messages for him and just, I've never heard anything back.
3: Okay. Valeria says we've heard three of supposed four Javi interviews. Can we have the fourth in some form? And, um, a lot of people like me, I think, would love some sort of—and maybe this is uh, can be reader-generated or listener-generated or is listener-generated. I said reader because I was thinking about Facebook and paper, but um, a master list of, like, when each interview happened so that if, for example, someone wanted mm-hmm. to go back and listen to the interviews in the chronological order that they happened from the day that Bo and Javi are talking on day one um, following the murder all the way down till the very latest interview— um, that might be really interesting just to kind of help us keep in mind who yeah. knew what when and how much time has passed.
1: I bet there's somebody listening that's on the Facebook page that could probably put something like that together um just you going through and listening to the dates and stuff from those interviews as far as the question about Javier's interviews, so you have his I think you've heard all of them. so there's this interview at the scene, then which was the eighteenth and on the twenty fifth, we have his full interview and then, there were the two interviews where they went to his work and they were trying when, to get him to do a polygraph.
3: I thought one of those interviews was the same as the full interview. I thought we had audio where we where like I cut think off
2: you, mm-hmm, yeah.
3: and then you release. You said if you've already listened to this part, you can fast forward like 10 minutes and right. that will give you the rest of the interview that when you found the video, you realized, oh, we do have this whole interview. But first, you had only found the audio and thought it cut off very abruptly when yeah. Javi, Javi was just going into the chain of events. So, is that but, maybe you? There are only three interviews, and and it just felt like there no. Were there's four?
1: there's four. I thought I played for, but maybe I didn't because one of them. There's two where they're at his work, not in the police station. There's two times where they're at his work and they're trying to get him to do a polygraph. I thought I had played both of those. Maybe I, I, I didn't. play. think there's both. only
3: one of those.
1: Uh, um, or maybe the second, maybe the, maybe there is an audio for the second one. Maybe it was just a report, but it was just the same. It, it, it's all it is, is the officer trying, it was, I think it was LeClaire, trying to talk him into doing a polygraph. And, and is, and it was like, is it, you know, well, your dad doesn't want you to do, it, but do you want to do it? And it's just like, it, it, it's, there's no like information given. It's just them harassing him about doing a polygraph.
2: Is there any more interviews that have any confirmation of Javier's behavior afterwards? That's a big question. I have. yes, okay, because I know we've heard it a couple times. We've heard about a car accident where he totaled a car. Now we've heard that you know the story about he was so bad into drugs he spiraled and no one could talk to him. Mm-hmm. But these seem at this point they're kind of isolated stories. Yeah. So is there any? There is confirmation coming that some of this is.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you this week's interview. Which again, this is like I said, I didn't want to do more interviews, but because I, I like I. And I know there's like a like there's a, a huge majority of people that are that that are digging what we're doing and are liking the interview, so they can they can be fully investigating. But I also know there's people that are like, dude, I'm sick of listening to police interviews. Um, and when this one that I'm playing, this it was like when I it's like it, it it answers those questions, it ties a bunch of stuff together. It is it is one of the most I think honest interviews that we've heard. Um, that's coming up this th- this weekend, and 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 you get a lot of that. So it's 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 kind of a nice summary of what we've heard so far. Because yeah, we've heard he got so heavy into drugs that no one could hang out with him. Heard he wrecked his car. We he heard he moved away um, right afterwards. So, but yeah, there's 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 more of that coming. That's a little more clear, I think.
3: Okay, real quick. Um, what about Bob in the chat? Says there is. Uh, it sounds like there's an error on the master call log form or something there's a call that's out of order and it's either a typo or is in the wrong spot has that I know been... exactly
1: the calls he's talking about oh, is there are the calls I need to I thought I had fixed it um, because I got confused by it and what it was it's it's right when there's the, the four calls from Jacob and Austin's landline to Jacob's cell phone Okay. and when I went back to and I was and I went back in once I figured out what that number was and I input that and I realized I'm like wait a minute it's, it's like one call says it like, whatever it was, like six fifty four. There's a call, and then the next one says at six forty six. And I don't know why I had that one down there. I hmm. thought I had fixed it. I can't tell you off the top of my head which one is correct, but it will be. We're working on a new um on one of our one of our listeners, uh that that I've I've done some work with and I trust a lot. I have I have finally delegated, um putting out getting together a master call log that is that is it, putting names instead of phone numbers is doing a much bigger range so there's going to be a new master call list coming out pretty soon Great. um that'll be an excel format because apparently i'm a luddite for using <laughs> word when i did it <laughs> <laughs> um so there's a, there's a whole new one coming out that's going to span more time uh and i don't know if this listener wants their name shared so i'm not going to share it now but if they uh if they if they tell me they do then i'll let you know who's doing it because they're doing a ton of work Um, getting the stuff done Uh, and there's been a lot of back and forth so there'll be a new call coming out that'll have that corrected on too but also keep an eye on like um facebook because when i get off this recording i'll look and see which was which because i I remember specifically that issue Mm
3: -hmm. and i
1: remember like going through the records to fix it and then apparently i didn't fix it on the master
3: gotcha gotcha um mystery listener who's doing that you're a hero we love you uh, and I would just say, side note, and this is very gossipy, but I bet Teresa is really curious if we ever find out what those three calls to Jacob are, right before he calls Becky Cell on the night of the murder. Because um, mm-hmm. I remember that comment from ages ago, and I've had it tucked up here since. Uh, <laughs> that was me pointing at my head. I realized that this is audio. Uh, okay, Rebecca F Get says, the "Time out, real done. quick, before you do yeah, the yeah, next yeah. question. Yes. I'm
1: getting so much shade thrown at me in the chat for using word." And I want to explain. <laughs> there's a there's a legitimate reason that I used Microsoft Word in the tables, and the reason is because I wanted to type stuff like to have like explanations for things in it, so that when I was done, I could then convert it to a PDF to post it. And I don't know if you can do that on Excel, but I I don't know how, and I know how to on Word. So, pff, to all of you.
3: <laughs> I see you looking over at Zach, too, to see what his reaction is. You keep doing takes over there to be like, what's Zach think about
1: all this? <laughs> well, the chat's full of words smack my head. You used word. Uh, like, guess, <laughs> amazing. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but uh, I, I needed to respond to that critical, those critical comments. Sure.
3: Uh, do you need to click? I can't remember if you click, click, clicked for that. I I don't remember. I, for no, some reason, I thought in. this was like, oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, great. Uh, Rebecca F. says, do you have any recordings or transcripts of Tim Summerlee's interview or any on-scene interviews of people at the scene that day besides those we've already heard?
1: There's a few more um, that I'm going through because when we get when we get into more about John and Vicky, I found more interviews from, like, people from the neighborhood that were kind of around that morning. So those, those will coming. there's not a lot more, but there's a little bit.
3: Okay. Uh, Chris, a, this is last week. Um, also when we're speaking about master list, uh, who by the way said very nice things about the podcast. I just um, cut it out for time, but says, I was wondering if you have a master list of names of everyone who was interviewed for this case by the police.
1: No, I don't, um, that would be super handy and I would be able to answer questions a lot better if they included something like that in the case file. But no, what I have is like, A PDF file that is like a thousand pages long and contains, you know, a hundred interviews or or reports in it that I gotta like scroll through and separate out. And that's like, so like when someone is just asking about like other people that were at the scene, the reason like I've come across those later is as time goes by, when I have free minutes, I'm like listening to everything and reading because there's like names that I've never heard that have no connection. Like, I I have no idea who these people are, and when I get a minute, I'll listen to it or read it. I'm like, oh, that's, and I have, like, I have yellow notepads all over my desk. Like, oh, this person is Vicky's friend who worked with her, and this person was a neighbor who came up to the scene that day. So now I kind of know who those people are, and then we're going to break the, but no, there's no, like, there's no master lift. That would have been sweet if there was, like. One page at the beginning of the file that said, here's all the people, and here's their interviews, and this is the page numbers. Yeah. That would be super sweet, but that's not the case.
3: Ooh, talk about puzzle pieces. Uh, and then finally, we have from Cat W, what interviews are left to hear from the friend group? A second interview for Claire? A second interview
1: for Bo? <laughs> it's almost like eh? you know what's coming up eh? Sunday. <laughs> uh Yes. Uh, there is another interview with Claire that I would then go through and I either put out as a bonus or um, or as a, as a main, depending on how things shake out over these next next several weeks. But this weekend's interview uh, episode is a May of 2007 interview with Bo Nash. So it's a follow. So we heard from Bo the day after the murders on the morning of or like around noon that day on the crime scene. In 2007, so about the same time as Jessica Henry and Alex Fulon and these people, they circle back to Bo, and it is for me. If you're if you're if you're in this information gathering mode like I am, it is a fantastic interview. It's packed full of information. I don't know why, and I could be totally off base here, but I really like Bo when I hear that. Like, listen to this interview. He seems to be, he comes across to me as extremely honest. He's not doesn't seem to be worried about anything. He's just sharing facts. He's sharing his own person firsthand information. And he covers a lot of different angles. Sums up some of the stuff you were talking about, Zach. There's just there's a lot of info uh that that's going to be coming out in this interview in two days on Sunday when we hear from Bo Nash in his May two thousand seven follow-up interview.
3: All right. Can't wait. Thanks everybody.
1: Thank you guys. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondering, Edited by Kelly Barron's Brink, and all music for the show was created by PutThemInASong.com. Our follow-up logo was created by me, and all of our font across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, truthandjusticepod.com financially support the show, the best thing you can do is just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You'll not only be supporting the show, but you'll get something in return. On Patreon, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we have reward levels. For just $5 a month, you get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes and behind the scenes bonus video content every week. Then other reward levels include t-shirts, hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. Just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice justice you can also do us a huge favor by going to itunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review and lastly you can always support us by supporting the brands that sponsor this program if you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons you can submit your cases on our website truthandjusticepod.com just click on the case submission button and fill out the form and the most important thing that you can do is to engage in our investigations you can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page on Facebook. And for all you tweeters out there, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. To follow our personal accounts on social media, I can be found in all forms at Truth. Janet can be found at Janet Varney, and Zach is at Z to the Q. And don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, or tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. As for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. I'm Zach Weaver. And
3: I'm Janet Varney.
1: And this has been Dan Truth and Justice. I I see a ray of light. I see mountains. I don't know. Do you, do
2: you want to clap or anything? One, two, three. I thought you were, like, waiting. You, like, waited for me. I was like, I, do I start now? I feel like we have to clap or something. No, I got to do some silence first for her to get her noise profile. Oh, you're smarter than me.
1: But I also,
3: let let Bob revel in that clap, because that's the only applause he got in the last 24 hours. <laughs> 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 it's, it's true.
1: You
2: know? mm. Go ahead, Zach. Ahoy, friends, and thank you for tuning in to Truth and Justice.
1: Wait, have you just started doing that every time? Because I've been out of the room the last two intros, and I don't listen to the show afterwards. Mm-hmm. God damn it. I abuse Kelly so bad.
3: Fan. Fantastic. Sorry, Kelly.
1: I hate Janet.
2: Janet's my favorite person on this podcast. Poor Kelly.
3: The Ford Ranger, a vehicle for all terrains
0: and every passion. It's a workmate, a playmate, and to its drivers, a soulmate. So how do you improve the Ford Ranger? You go all in. The all-new Ford Ranger, the UK's best-selling pickup. Now available with rear bumper steps, tailgate workbench, and enlarged load box that can fit a Euro pallet. Go break it in. Search all-new Ford Ranger. Ford Pro, driving productivity. According to SMMT data, features may be optional extras with additional cost. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. O, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.